Well, our New Testament scripture today comes from the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to share today verses 31 through 40, which is part of a larger parable of Jesus, which is part of a larger teaching in Matthew 24 and 25. Hear the word of God, would you, from Matthew 25, verses 31 and following. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, with all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, and he will place the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, our memory verse for today. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The very word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, the story has some amazing surprises and, and I'm surprised tonight. Yeah, tonight it's Saturday night. Um, we learned late this afternoon that at a funeral I officiated at this week, um, I was exposed to someone who later tested positive for COVID. And, and I am feeling great tonight, um, but I did not want to put you at risk. And, and so um, we whipped out some old technology that we used last year and um, Lord willing, we'll be able to continue our study together here online, but also here in the sanctuary through this taped message from last night, as it were. But I, um, I'm grateful for your prayers. I'm feeling great, and, um, and I don't want to let anything interfere with what God is teaching us today. So, so what is the background of our passage for today? What is the background of Jesus' teaching this study that we've been in the last two weeks is a part of something called the Olivet Discourse. No, no, it has nothing to do with the name of our church, although it has everything to do with us. Um, it, it actually comes from Mount Olivet, where Jesus gave this teaching. But probably on, on maybe Tuesday or Wednesday of Holy Week, Jesus gave yet another one of his epic teachings. In this case, 
about the end of time, about the end of the age, about the time when, when the kingdom of God, which is here now in, in, in its uh, original uh, opportunity, but, but, but then will come in glory um, when the kingdom of God becomes a reality for us. So um, this teaching, this Olivet Discourse, is in Matthew 24 and 25. And, and if I could just break it out in large chunks for you, the, the first part, Matthew 24, 1 through 31, has to do with the signs of the coming kingdom. And, and you will recognize many of them from, from our studies of the book of Daniel and in particular from our studies of the book of Revelation together. You will recognize many of them. But the second part, Matthew 24, 32 through the end of chapter 25, our passage for today, the second part is about the preparations for the coming kingdom. And there's three parables in there about being ready, including one we're very familiar with, the parable of the ten virgins. There are two parables about being faithful, including the one we studied last week, faithfulness with the with the abilities that God has given us, the parable of the talents. But today's passage is a powerful teaching about the, basic, the basis for God's judgment of us, the basis for his judgment. Now, to, to catch us up, a quick summary of last week's lesson on the parable of the talents, I invite you to think in terms of abilities, right? God gives everyone certain abilities or the ability um, uh, to respond in, in different amounts, and he expects us to use them for the benefit of his kingdom. We talked about natural abilities that you're given at birth. We talked about spiritual gifts, which are given uh, at faith in Christ for the building up of the body of Christ. Those are, those are abilities. But God also gives us the opportunity and the ability to respond or response abilities. That, that ability to respond when he presents to us certain circumstances that may not be in our normal comfort zone. We talked lastly last week about that we are also accountable or accountable to God for what we do with what he has entrusted to us. So ability and responsibility and accountability were powerful truths from last week's parable of the talents, which happens right before today's lesson. Today, I wanna to suggest to you that, that we're gonna add another ability, as it were. God wants not only our uh, um, our abilities and our responsibilities, but also our availability, our availability as well. He wants us to avail ourselves of his blessings for us, to avail ourselves of, of the blessings that he has set apart for us. To avail means to, to put to use or to take advantage of, right? He wants us to avail ourselves of those blessings that he's given us. 
But he also wants us to be available, available to others for his kingdom purposes. So today we're adding yet another able word, available to, uh, to our abilities and our responsibilities and our accountability. Well, wow, what a powerful story, a familiar one, isn't it? Most of us have run across this story in one form or another before, but what can we learn from Jesus' teaching today? I don't want you to miss this this powerful truth. And, And I know that you know it, but if you're like me, the impact of it lessens over time and we begin to... Um, we begin to not be impacted by this powerful truth. What is this truth? That Jesus calls himself in this parable the Son of Man from Daniel. Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. Do you remember last week? The Master is coming again and he will hold us accountable right? It's not an if, it's a when. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, wow, Jesus is coming again. The question that it begs for us and the question that all the previous parables, three of them in in particular, dealt with is, are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus to come again? Now, let me just, it's not in your notes, but let me just, let me just, um, Note here that that we have to be ready as if he could come tonight, as if he could come at any moment. But we also have to live as if he might not come. Remember last week's parable? To invest while he's away, as if he might not come. And he has entrusted to us the precious resources of his kingdom. So Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? But how is he coming? He's coming in glory, in glory. And I want you to picture again all those magnificent passages in Revelation that we studied. He's coming in glory with all the angels with him, right? With all the angels. And he's going to stand there with, before all the nations. I said stand. He's going to sit there on his throne before all the nations, literally not, not countries, but, but people groups with every tribe and tongue and, and, and people group on earth before him. And, and from that throne, he is going to judge the world. So let me just stop for a second and say, um, it's important to ask ourselves, just like we ask ourselves, are we ready for him to come? It's important for us to ask ourselves, who is on the throne of our lives? I remember when I was in college, there was, there was um, just an amazing, uh, just an amazing um, question that the Campus Crusade, the crew people would ask, right? Who's on the throne of your life? And I'd like to ask you that same question, who is on the throne of your life? Thanks for your patience with me. I have to make sure that I'm that this is working. 
And it is. Go ahead. So, so, Jesus is coming again in glory with all the angels, and he is, will sit on his glorious throne. He's coming in glory. That's why I love so much our time of worship each week before. It's a time of teaching as well. It, um, the second song today just absolutely um, draws me to our teaching today. But it's also a time of, of worship and, and praise. It, it prepares us for, um, for encountering Jesus. He's coming in glory when we sing and worship our glorious Savior. But he's also coming in judgment. In judgment. The remarkable thing about his first coming was how he didn't judge, how he brought mercy and grace, and many resented him and hated him for it. But, but at this second coming, it's clear that he's coming in glory, but also judgment. Now, let's remind ourselves just for a second, what does it mean to judge, right? To judge is to discern what is right. And, and Jesus has imparted that ability to us to discern what is right to judge is is first and foremost to to discern what is good and right remember um paul and philippians whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is perfect and lovely and admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think on these things right uh, discern what is right so if that, to judge is to discern what is right, what is to do justice then? Well, to do justice is to do what is right, to do it. And so it's not enough in the biblical economy to, to just discern what is right and not do it, right? As we see in the whole back half of the parable I didn't read here, there are sins of omission as well as sins of commission, right? To do justice is... Not just to discern what is right, but to do it. To do it. But then, what is judgment? What is judgment? To pass judgment is to determine the consequences of people's choices, right? And in particular, the eternal consequences. That's why when the Bible says don't judge, obviously we have to make discernments all the time, right? About what is right and what is good. What he's saying is don't pass judgment on other people. Don't pretend to know or to guess, even by their actions, what their eternities are. Because there's only one. Jesus, the Son of God, who is worthy of passing judgment. So, so when he comes in glory and in judgment, what will he do? Well, by this parable, by this, excuse me, this, this teaching here, he says he will separate all peoples according to their eternities. In other words, there's just two options here. There is sheep and there are goats. And by the way, both of those would be so familiar to the people of Jesus' day. But Make no mistake, 
any one of them from a child on could discern between a sheep and a goat, right? And, and it's not like, like one is bad and, and obviously bad and one is good and obviously good. Sheep wander off, sheep, sheep bite, right? Um, and, and goats are so cute, especially baby goats. Sorry, little I digress. Goats, goats are not bad. They bring life to the household who, who had them, right? So it's an important lesson to say, while it's obvious the, the eternal differences between them, the, the visible ones are not always obvious. That's why only God is worthy of making this kind of judgments, of separating people according to their eternities. Some he will separate out for eternal punishment. The people on his left, um, the goats in this analogy here, some he'll separate out to eternal life. Eternal life. The sheep in this analogy. Wow. If it's that, if it's that clear, if it's that simple, I mean, we, we like shades of gray, right? We like, we like to think there are multiple options out there. Um, the impact of this teaching is that it's very simple. There's two eternities, one eternity, which is life, eternal life in the presence of the living God. And the other one is eternal punishment separated from our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer, our friend, right? So here's what's, here's what's really surprising, the criteria that Jesus uses. This, this slaps a lot of us around a little bit because we would like to think that it's totally about our one time, sometime in our life, praying a prayer and saying yes to Jesus and then everything else that happened after that didn't matter. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. It is critical that at some point you willingly surrender the lordship of your life to Jesus. But this is not about, about that decision. It's about the evidence of that decision, right? As James, James chapter two, he says, you know, if, if someone sees someone in great need and says, hey, be blessed and be warm and safe, have peace, uh, and doesn't do anything about it, then, then that faith is dead. That, that's not faith, right? So the surprising criteria here in this story is that it's not about a prayer that you prayed or um, a candle that you lit in middle school camp. It is, it, is, um, it is this, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, as you did, verse 40, or didn't, verse 45, do it to one of the least of these, my brothers. You did or didn't do it to me. The criterion is what you do to or for Jesus, brothers. Wow. Wow. That, that raises um, a really important question. Who are the brothers that he's talking about? And strong cases could be made for several things. Um, 
their natural inclination. You always start with what it might have meant to them. Where they say, well, of course, you're talking about the, the nation of Israel. We're talking about the, the Jews, right? Um, those are Jesus' brothers, right? And, and others are saying, no, no, several times he spoke and separated out his disciples from the Jews and said, These, this is my mother and my brothers, right? Anyone who does the will of God. And so, so a strong case could be made for its followers of Jesus are his brothers. I am always drawn to Galatians 6, 10, right? If you have a, just a moment, turn to Galatians 6, 10 with me. Paul is wrestling with the same thing. He has such a broken heart for the Jews. And, and in fact, in Romans, he talked about, he talked about, um, oh God, brother, you took me. You, you, you took my life rather than the lives of my fellow Jews. But in Galatians 6.10, in wisdom, he said, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone but especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, so I, I think it's a, a safer place for us to go, not being able to discern who is a follower of Jesus necessarily and who isn't, that we see everyone as, as a brother or a sister, right? And especially, Jesus says, the least of these. Right? And he named all those categories, the sick, the hungry, the thirsty, the incarcerated, right? To, to the people who are down and out, to the people who, who have no control over their circumstances. Jesus says, what you do to them, you do to me. Wow. Wow. So we've learned here that, that Jesus is coming again in glory and in, in judgment. But we learned also here that there is a kingdom set apart for those who are willing to do God's will. Let me say that differently. To be the presence of Christ. What would Jesus do in that given circumstances when there's someone thirsty next to him? He would give that person a cup of cold water. When there's someone who is incarcerated, he would go and visit them. When there's someone who's sick and not able to care for themselves, he would be with them. Again, understand, there's no magic in doing these things if you don't do it because of the Christ in you. We don't do these things to somehow earn God's favor and win salvation. No, we have been blessed by God. We have been given this kingdom and out of love and response to that, we do what Jesus would do. We care for the least of these, his brothers. So the kingdom is set apart for those who are willing to do God's will 
and, and you don't have to wait for it, right? It is here now. Jesus inaugurated that kingdom when he came in the flesh and that kingdom continues right now. Is it, is it fully consummated? No, absolutely not. It will be when he comes again, but it is here now. You can enter it now. And it begins with salvation, with salvation. Oh, I remember when we were studying Revelation, we, we were looking at the hallelujahs of, of Revelation chapter 19. And, and John says, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. Guess which multitude? That very same multitude. All the nations, all the ethnos, all the peoples, all the angels there crying out, hallelujah. Hallelujah simply means praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And his judgments are true and just. So when we experience this, this event that we're studying right here, for many, for those who have trusted their life to cry to Christ, the, the overwhelming experiences of, of wonder and awe and worship, Hallelujah. Begins with salvation. In verses 1 through 2, salvation which belongs to our God. But in verses 6, six through 7, just like it was paralleling our study in Matthew 25. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. The first hallelujah comes when we come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. The second one comes as we um, experience his lordship as as the Lord God Almighty reigns in us. Hmm. I just had this experience yesterday, and um, I know that you've had them when the Lord was speaking to you and, and you fought it. You, you said, not now, not now, God. Um, but was I blessed when I stopped and turned around and went back and did what God was inviting me to do what he was asking me to be available for. It begins with salvation, but it continues through obedience. Simple acts of kindness. Simple acts of kindness, right? A cup of water, uh, a meal, a visit, right? Um, um, an article of clothing, um, simple acts of kindness to the last and to the lost and to the least of these. How about it? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? Today may be the day of your salvation. All you have to do is pray. Jesus, I'm so tired of trying to be Lord of my own life. Come, would you make your dwelling in me? I give you all authority and power over my life. I surrender my life to you. Use me, God, as you would desire. And secondly, for those of us, those of us who have committed our 
life, our eternity is secure. Come, he says, come, you who are blessed by the Father, into your inheritance, right? Your inheritance is the kingdom of God. Let's live like children of the kingdom of God. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you. Thank you that you have given us this opportunity, both for salvation, but also to partner with you in the purposes of your kingdom, that there would be no sick, that there would be no hungry, that there would be no thirsty, that there would be no incarcerated who did not have someone who would walk beside them. There would be none who are naked, either physically, God, or emotionally, or certainly spiritually. God, let us be the answer to someone else's prayer. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus. Oh, we ask it in his precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, has God blessed you? That's not a rhetorical question. Has God blessed you? Yeah. Yeah, he has. Psalm 22, 3 says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So let's not have to wait for the rocks to cry out, right? Let's add our voices to myriad angels. Let's rejoice and exult and give him the glory. God, salvation belongs to you. Oh God, we worship you and praise you.